Good morning once again. We're here on the very first Sunday in the season of Lent, and so the color of the choir and the pastors are wearing is purple. It's meant to signify the royalty of Jesus, which is coming on Palm Sunday as we approach Easter. And this year for Christmas, Steve Fainer, our youth director, gave me a watch band that's purple so I could be very liturgical. Isn't that fancy? I like that. This season of Lent, we are starting a new sermon series um, as we move together towards the joy of Easter, and it's, it's centered around the so-called I am statements of Jesus. In the Gospel of John, there are seven places where Jesus uses this phrase, I am, to describe who he is and what his mission is and what he is like. And so each week, we're going to look at a different one of these I am statements from Jesus as we get to know who he is and find out why it matters for our lives. So our second scripture lesson today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 12 to 20. Listen for God's word to you today. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, because I know where I have come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid, for I do not judge for I alone do not judge, but I and my Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf, and my Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then they said to him, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There's a lot going on in that passage, isn't there? Yeah. We'll see if we could figure it out. It's great to be with you today. I want to say hi again to those worshiping online on YouTube and Facebook Live, those listening to this on the sermon podcast later this week, and hi to all of you here today. When I was in Uganda a couple of weeks ago, I was with our sister Mary Akio, and the group of us was traveling, and wherever we went, we would have a chance to speak to groups of children, whether it was in a school or in a church or in a refugee camp. And so they would always introduce all of the visitors. That was Marion and Ron Dickel, myself, Gabriel Nyok, but also Mary Akio. And whenever she would get up to speak, she would talk to the kids, and she would use this same old call and response. Some of you know it. It goes like this, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And then she added a part to that old call and response that I wasn't familiar with. She would say, that's his nature. And the response was, wow. <laughs> Let's try it. God is good. All the time. That's his nature. Wow. Yeah. I did this with my, my tween daughter this at home, and it was kind of like teenager style, like ironic wow. Wow. <laughs> Today we're talking about uh, the nature of God. What's God like, and how can we get to know um, who God is? Jesus once said, the Father and I are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And here today in our text he says, if you knew me, you would know my Father also. So one of the ways we can get to know God in our lives or get to know who God is is just by looking at Jesus 
learning from Jesus, getting close to the person of Jesus. So in this sermon series, in this next weeks ahead, leading us toward Easter, that's what we're going to do, listening to the words of Jesus about himself. Who is he? Let's ask him. So this is the first thing that we hear Jesus say. Here it is. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so something we need to understand as we kind of approach these I am statements, this is kind of some Bible study for you, so get ready, um, is that I am, when Jesus says I am, it has another biblical meaning than just Jesus saying it. Many of you will remember in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses met God in the burning bush, Moses asks God, what is your name? Who are you? And God's response was, I am tell them I am has sent you. The the Hebrew word is Yahweh. You've heard Yahweh. That literally means I am. God's name is this eternal I am. So Jesus is picking up on information that the people already knew. They know a little something about who God is. I am. And then Jesus uses this same phrase intentionally about himself. Again and again in the Gospel of John, he says things like, I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the light of the world. So this is sort of disclosing or telling his true nature. What is he like? Who is he? He is the light of the world. And light is this very powerful image. In the Bible, there's a lot of light and darkness imagery. The Bible begins this way, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. When I was growing up, we used to have these little competitions in our Sunday school to see who could memorize the most scripture verses. And that was one of my go-tos. So easy. I won a lot of competitions with little verses. Remember Jesus wept? That's a, that's a key one. You've got to have that ready. The shortest verse in the Bible. In the book of Exodus, when God is uh, accompanying God's people through the wilderness for 40 years, remember they're wandering around looking for the promised land after they get out of Egypt, and it says that God went ahead of them with a, as a pillar of, fi- of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God showed up to give them light on their journey through that nighttime fire. The prophet Isaiah writes, writes this, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of deep darkness on them light has shined. We read that at Christmas every year. John's Gospel, chapter 1, it begins this way, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Light and dark is a very big theme throughout the Bible. And Jesus here is claiming to be the light that is at the center, to be the light that gives life. He's claiming that through him, everything will be illuminated, made clear, brightened, shown what is true and what is real and what is good. The light of life is Christ himself. So here in the season of Lent, in these days and weeks leading us toward Easter, we can ask some questions. And these are questions just for our own self-reflection. Like, where is there darkness or shadow or confusion in the world that needs the light of Christ? You just read the newspaper. You can just look on your phone and see what's coming across there might be areas that need the light of Christ in this world. Where around the globe could we pray for Christ's light to come? But then to bring it closer to home, where's, where's that shadow part of, of our lives, of your life? What are the places where you know in your heart that you need or desire Christ to come in? It's a place that's not right, it's not clear, it's not bright. Would Christ's light shine there? 
What are the areas you don't really want Jesus poking around too much in? Do you have anything like that? Hey, if I had to name it, I wouldn't want to name it out loud. Christ's light can shine in you in those places as well. I want to be careful as we talk about this idea of light and, and darkness in this, um, from this text because this image is so powerful, it's so potent. We don't want to misunderstand. Like, these seem like polar opposites, you know, light and dark, as if they're all good or all bad. But isn't there a lot of beauty in the night sky? And the darkness is what lets the, the light of those, um, of those stars shine bright, brightest. Or the joy of watching a blockbuster film, settling in in one of those real nice recliner chairs, and then the theater gets all bright. No, it gets all dark. And because it's a dark environment, you can enjoy the film. Or maybe on a hot day when it's bright and sunny out here, not right now, but in the summer here in this area, and you get into a cool, dark room, and you just cool down. There's goodness that's there. Nobody likes to sleep overnight in a room with the lights on. There's a natural order to our day, isn't there, where the darkness comes and our body knows it's time to rest and our brains can relax. It's good for us. In our country's history, we know that having dark skin was claimed to be bad somehow and that it was used as a weapon against some people. That's part of our nation's history. Even though we know that all people are created in God's image and therefore good, we know black is beautiful, it was used sometimes in a negative way. So light and darkness are powerful images, but there's a lot of complexity that's there too. So my question for us today is just, what does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? How does his light function? What is the purpose of his light for us? I think one helpful way to think about this question, like what, is it, what does this mean, um, it comes from C.S. Lewis. He was a great 20th century Christian writer. A lot of you know C.S. Lewis. Um, and this is what he wrote. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. By the light of Christ, we're able to see everything else more clearly. The light not only illuminates, but it clarifies. It's a lens to see what is true. It's a lens to see what is real, what is right, what is good. For Christians, we seek to let, let Christ's light shine in our own decision-making and our own understanding of the world around us. Over time, church, we're formed. Together, we're formed in a way of thinking, a way of seeing, a way of understanding, which is infused, filled with, integrated with the light and love and truth of Christ. It doesn't happen all at once. That's why we've got to keep it going together. So... Just like anybody else in the world, we can sometimes be in the darkness. Have you ever felt like you're kind of in the dark? You don't understand what's going on. You don't see things that clearly. That can happen to us where we can be confused. We can be misinformed. We can be baffled by things going on in the world. Like, for example, this earthquake in Syria and Turkey with 48,000 people who've died. I can't even imagine it. I'm baffled by the darkness of this world in that, in that um, experience. So we don't know every answer to every mystery. We face the dark, but we have the light. There's good news for us that we're not just people stumbling around in the dark forever without any hope of getting out of it, as if we had no way to see clearly. Jesus comes and gives us his light that we would be able to face this life. So I wonder if you've ever seen one of those magnifying glasses, you know the kind that has like a light attached to it? 
One of these. I think it's like that. You can get one on Amazon. Um, my grandfather used to have one like this, and he would use it to show me like road atlases when he was describing where I should go on the East Coast. And he's like, now first you drive up the blue route, and he was showing me with this big magnifying glass with a light. This magnifying glass with the light, think about it just as an image. It's meant to show you the truth more clearly, right? It's magnified. But also, anything that's dim or unclear, it shines a light on it. This is C.S. Lewis' idea that Christ is our magnifying glass with a light on it. Christ, through that lens, we can see more clearly. Through that lens, we can understand this world a little bit more. Without that light, we can't see. So here's what I want you to hear, though, today, as we're talking about this big idea. The light of Christ comes, and it can shine into every issue and every item of life, but let it start with you. Let the light shine first into your own life before you go shining in everybody else's eyes. You know what I mean? This Lent, this season of preparation for Easter, is a great time to do self-inventory, to open your life and let Jesus come in and get close. It's a time to ask those questions, like, where do I need the light of Christ? Where do I need Christ's light in my own life? Where do I have that light already? Where is the light of Christ convicting me, challenging me? Where does it console me or comfort me or encourage me? Where do I want more of the light that Christ brings? One thing I notice in the story today, the one from the Bible that we just read, is that it comes right after, immediately following, a story of the woman caught in adultery. Do you remember that story from the, from the Gospels? It's the story where this, it's, we remember it because it's so shocking. This woman is dragged before Jesus, right in front of Jesus, and thrown to the ground, and, and she, he's told that she was caught in the very act of adultery. And that's very, a lot of information for us. And we notice that the guy involved, the man in this story, is not brought before Jesus, only the woman. Okay, there's, that's, that's a reality. But Jesus doesn't play into their game. Instead, he said, they say, shouldn't we stone her to death? That's the law, teacher. And Jesus says, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. And then he starts drawing on the ground. You remember this part. People ask, what's he drawing? What's he writing? Some people have said maybe he knew things going on in the lives of everybody else who was there. He starts writing them out one by one. Well, you've got this going on. What about this? One by one, all these accusers, this crowd, this angry crowd, start leaving until finally the woman is left there alone with Jesus. And then Jesus says, is there no one here left to condemn you? And she says, no one, sir. And Jesus says to her, neither then do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The light of Christ, the truth of Jesus, cannot be imposed on other people. It's not the way it works. It's not a weapon. It's not lovely or beautiful or good to see the truth of the gospel used this way to put somebody else in their place, put somebody else down. Jesus models something for us here. In this story, you, he's modeling where he does not judge or condemn this woman. He sits with her. He's patient with her. He's kind to her. In the end, she hears his message and knows there's some things in her life to change, but that's her work with Jesus. Nobody has to put that on her from the outside. What would it be like for you today, I wonder, to realize that Jesus acts the same way with you? Jesus acts the same way with you, with, with patience, kindness, mercy, love, even forgiveness. 
Christ comes into those dark places of your mind, your thoughts, your attitudes, your words, your actions, all of it, and offers you a chance at something new, at something real. It's, it's a fresh start, and it's given to you today. I love the way that Jesus treats people, especially those whose lives are not all put together. That's who he focuses on in his ministry. People who say, I got this thing in my life, it's not right. That's who Jesus is spending his time with. That's who he's ministering to. And maybe that's you today. So what's the area of your life, just as you reflect on it, that needs the light of Christ? What's the area of your life where you, that you would put before God today, that you would seek for Christ to shine? What's the way that you're seeing yourself or your family situation a little bit more clearly today as you hear this message? I want to read you a poem, and it's by a contemporary poet. His name is Malcolm Guite, and this is a sonnet that's based on the story of the three temptations of Christ. So listen to this uh, story today. It's called All the Kingdoms in the World, and it begins with the devil speaking. I'm not going to do the devil voice, but I'm gonna, it's, the, it's the devil speaking. Okay. So, oh wait, I'm not going to do the devil's voice. It's hard to, okay. So here's the deal, and this is what you get. The penthouse suite with the world commanding views, and the banker's bonus and the private jet. Control and ownership in all the news, and in to that exclusive 1%, who know the score, who really run the show, with interest on every penny lent and sweeteners for cronies in the know. A straight arrangement between me and you. No hell below and no heaven above. You just admit it and give me my due and wake up from this foolish dream of love. But Jesus laughed. You are not what you seem. Love is the waking life. You are the dream. I want to suggest to you today on this first Sunday in the season of Lent that the love that Jesus gives is the waking life, the real life, the true life that we can see in the light of Christ. Everything else is just a dream, less of a true reality than we realize. So if you've been living in that dream world where all these other things seem to be so important, most important, well, okay. Jesus meets you right where you are. But today, the light of Christ is shining on you to give you a more excellent way to clarify and illuminate and even give you hope. My prayer for you as you step into this week is that Christ would go with you, would shine on any darkness that you experience, and would guide you to know the love of God, which is here for you again today. May it be so for you. Amen.